When your creative juice is running low and your over meetings on Zoom, just stay inside and sanitize and tune into quarantunes with Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quarantunes. I'm your host, Ellis Dolan, and joining me today to talk about a very ambitious project is James Cutler. James, how are you? I'm really good. Oh, I'm good, Ellis. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surviving. That's one thing. Um, Excellent. And I'm, I'm, I'm keeping myself occupied. Most certainly have been. Can you tell us about the Isola project? What is it? Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, so uh, Isola is something that has come about because a friend of mine, Shaz Mullins, who is a very, very gifted uh, theatre maker, a practitioner, and um, she's a she does a lot of applied theatre projects. Um, she started Fresh Youth Theatre. Um, she's an incredible script writer. And the way that she sort of perceives theatre and, and understands the world and, and you know, crafts her point of view, I, I find incredible and really interesting. She and I have sort of talked for a while about wanting to do uh, some sort of project and uh, particularly a musical. Um, and... Uh, I think it was probably a combination of my refusal to to fall into um, you know artists' depression uh, and seeing that there was a need for there to still be work being made. That we sort of came up with this idea of you know now's the time to to write that musical that we've always talked about, um, but because both Shaz and myself are really sort of you know, we're all about community, um, and, and by that I mean the ability to come together, um, to recognise our oneness. We, we both sort of, you know, realise that there's, actually there's a really, really strong opportunity here to, to get people from all over to come together and to write a piece. Um, because right now, you know, everyone's experiencing the same thing, but everyone's experiencing something completely different at the same time and and isn't that just exactly the 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 right sort of fertile ground to um to create art that's like that's the sort of start of the project and we are kind of in the early stages but you know we we sort of formed this idea around what what about what would happen if we if we gave a concept to a million different composers and said you know write a song everybody would come up with something completely different and, uh, and, you know, with musicals, you tend to see them written by one composer who writes the entire score, and there's a beautiful sense of unity in that. But, you know, right now, the, un- the only unity we need is that we're all going through exactly the same thing. And so we said we don't need one composer. We want many, many composers to, to come together and um, we'll give them, you know, a suggestion. We'll, we'll give them a theme or a rough outline of what, what, uh, a musical could be about, but we want it, we want their input, we want their point of view, and so yeah, we came together and said, all right, let's let's just start it, let's put the word out, and I did a Facebook post, and it got a heap of traction straight away, and and just like that, we were <laughs> we were we saw a need, and we were off and running. How do you plan to string all these different composers' works together? Because if everybody's out there writing a different song about their own experience, but you want it to be a musical as opposed to a song cycle, do you have a plan to make it into a coherent story? I think that for us, where on this occasion, it's important to let 
the songs come first. I think usually when a musical is written, you are coming at it from a point of view of what's the mess, what's the story here, and then how do I convey that story? And the songs come out of that. What we're sort of doing in this occasion is the songs are coming first, and the songs that we get will dictate the form that we work in. Um, so whether it ends up being a song cycle, whether it ends up being a, a musical uh, that's sort of a bit more what you'd expect, I, I don't know. But I don't think many musicals have been written like this before. So, so who really knows what the outcome is going to be? It's it's all um, it's all a, a, a really big mystery to us right now. But I, that's that's kind of the the excitement of the project. The outcome reveals itself in the doing. And are you only engaging songwriters you know? Or are you opening this up to a wider range of artists to contribute? Yeah, we, we've we've thrown it wide open. We have um, we've just put the word out, you know, to to everyone. We have said it doesn't matter if you are experienced, if you've written a million musicals before. Uh, it doesn't matter if you are the kind of person who's always wanted to write a musical but can't get it, has never gotten around to it or if you're someone who just writes songs uh, and is, has always looked for a way or, or maybe has never even thought about letting those songs um, move into the sort of musical theatre form, uh, we, we just want to grab everybody. We want to grab anyone, anyone who, who has a point of view, and that's everyone, um, to contribute to this piece. It's, it's not about I want the best artists. It's not about bring me the most experienced songwriters you know, this should be a really eclectic work. This should be a, a work that speaks from a lot of different points of view, coming from a lot of different hearts and coming together. And that's why it's absolutely vital that we have variety and um, diversity in the people who contribute to the project. If somebody out there is who's listening uh, wants to contribute to this project, what kind of themes should they start thinking about writing songs about? We are asking songwriters to come up with a song that is based around the themes of connection, isolation, and or unity. So that's sort of the guiding principle there. And, and what it looks like, what it sounds like is completely up for grabs. So um, the style or the, um, the, the, the instruments that you work with, the, the era that you come from, you know, um, the, the genre of work that you work in, like I, I think that's completely wide open. Uh, let's jump ahead to uh, the future when you've you've got your project, you've got your songs, you've got your script. How are you getting this or how are you planning on getting this project to the people? You know, this is another interesting question because even since we started this idea, um, we've moved, we've progressed further in lockdown stages. You know, we're now at, what are we level? Are we level four now or level three? I don't even know. Oh, we've probably changed levels in the past 30 seconds. Yeah, you're right. I should turn the radio. The radio. What era is this? On again. I'll turn the wireless <laughs> on. Um, but, you know, when we, when we started this project, we had this image that, that all the actors would come together in the room with the composers, and we can't do that anymore. Um, and we don't know what it will be by the time we're going to be presenting this work, but we are going to be live streaming it. Um, we're going to be presenting it so that the whole world can watch it. We don't know whether we're going to be getting all the artists to be performing from their own living rooms. We don't know if um, we can bring composers and actors into the same space. So basically all that's up for grabs still, and we're going to have to be guided by whatever the government 
uh, regulations are at the time. But we are definitely working toward it being a live stream performed online um, so that we can have uh, a, a global audience. Do you feel that this is a musical or this is a project that can only happen at this point in time? Like we've we've never in our lifetimes experienced uh, a pandemic like this and we've never had the amount of connectivity to other people as we've had as we have at this point in time uh do you think there's something really unique about now that makes this kind of project feasible i mean yes i i do we're lucky that we have these things like the ability to connect uh online in in ways that we haven't before but but i also think that it's 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 not completely unique i mean if we look at how a chorus line was written, we brought people together who were experiencing a similar thing, who came from a certain context, and we interviewed them and we said, what's your point of view? Tell us about your experience. And so, you know, the artwork emerged from those conversations that were, that were recorded. Um, yes, we're going through a pandemic. We're going through a, a crisis unlike anything that we've ever seen before in any of our lifetimes. Um, but I think that art does always find the way of coming out of crisis. It comes, it comes out of um, shared moments where we all find ourselves um, in, you know, in some sort of situation that we are required to respond to. And I think that often that response is um, anger or fear or confusion. And that's what really when the heart of the, act, the, the artist comes alive and starts thinking of the possibilities and the ways to express themselves in these times. So, yeah, we're living, in, we're living in pretty unique times, but it's also by no means the first time that artists have said, hey, we've got a crisis here and we need to respond during it and we need to find a way to thrive and survive during it. And I think in that case, this isn't a particularly new idea. It's just the way we're doing it is unique. Do you think that artists have a responsibility to kind of come to the forefront in times like this to provide the general public a way to get through it, essentially? I mean, the simple answer is absolutely. Let artists lead the way. We'll show you. We've, we've always done it. You know, art has a way of surviving. Um, but I also know that there are artists who, who, who are not feeling like they need to lead the way right now. And that's okay. And there are non-artistic people who are thriving right now, and that's okay too. I think that we are lucky that as artists, we sort of, we sort of have a level of, um, of foresight uh, and an ability to stand back and look at what's going on and to imagine and to be innovative. I don't, I don't know if, if it's if it's about saying that artists need to lead the way. But I definitely think that if artists do lead the way, really, really good stuff happens. Now, yeah. you've experimented with live streaming already uh, with regards uh, yes. to another project that you've started called <laughs> Musical Mugwumps. What's Musical Mugwumps? Okay, so Musical Mugwumps is just a complete indulgence for for me. Um, a friend of mine, Lala Barlow, and myself um, uh, just said, you know what, we, we want to we stage a musical. We want to put on a musical. 
and we want to we want to live stream it. Now, um, there's a lot of steps required to get there <laughs> in terms of like let's just put on a musical, and we're not doing it to make money. But we said, you know what? We just we just want to hear and see musicals. We want we want to keep people who love musicals seeing them and doing them. And so we said, well, let's just do a table read. Let's pick a musical. Let's tell all of our contacts on Facebook what show we're doing and um, see who volunteers to be part of it. And as soon as we, you know, we announced it, we said Musical Mugwumps, episode number one, we're doing Into the Woods. And we had so, so much response immediately. People were like, yes, I want to do this. I want to be in it. Let me be involved. Or I want to watch it. Please let me see it. I can't wait to see how this unfolds. You know, um, all we needed was was people who knew the show and knew it well. There was no rehearsal. We just had scripts in our hands or on our screens, and we all jumped, you know, onto the same meeting on Zoom, and we just said, "Let's just let's just do the show. Let's just start at the start and go through to the end, um, and see what happens." And how did it go? Do you know what it was? <laughs> it was. There were times where it was a bit of a train wreck. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> Um, but it was so joyous and so fun and such a supportive environment. Our only problem was that, um, was the, the, the technical capabilities of Zoom don't allow people to speak or sing in unison. And so when you're trying to do a musical and, uh, you know, tempo is important, um, you you kind of can't do that. So we're sort of working around the clock right now with three or four other tech wizards to try to find a way to make sure that we can get our, our timing working together. But actually that wasn't even the, the – that didn't bother us um, because, you know, Lala and I set out from the start, we said this is about hearing art and, and giving it a space. This isn't about creating beauty and excellence and quality. This is this is like let's just sit. It's like sitting around in your living room and just reading a script with friends. It's not going to be performed. It's not going to be perfect. Um, having said that, every person who came on board uh, dressed up in costume. Uh, they put backgrounds on their Zoom. They put props around the house, around the you know in front of the screen. We had a little paper cutout cow for the girl who played jack um you know and we just sort of everybody did their bit to make their their character come to life we only gave them the role on the day and we said all right you're playing the wolf and you're playing little red riding hood um and and you know we we took away the pressure of performance and said this is not about performance this is about enjoyment uh this is about being fun this is about letting loose not judging, uh, and, and what we got was an incredibly sort of euphoric experience that when we got to the end, we just all spontaneously applauded and suddenly it turned into this after party. Like it, it went immediately from the final notes in the show, completely sung out of time, to, to just like laughing and like celebrating each other's work and, and all right, people going, all right, see you later, bye, 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 see you, bye, bye, bye. And we kind of had the stayers at the end, the five or six of us who waited till, till sunrise and, you know, said what a great time we had. But it was, it was an amazing experience, community. You know, we experienced community in that time. And, and, you know, at a time 
that we are experiencing right now, we are at such a danger of being the wrong kind of isolated. Um, and I really hate that word. Every time I hear the word isolation being said on, on, on the news, I, I read it, it stresses me out a little bit because I, I'm, I'm terrified that we're going to get into our minds that we're supposed to isolate ourselves. And I really think that's dangerous because, and especially for the heart of the artist, being isolated can be one of the worst, worst experiences. Um, and I'm really worried about, about um, a potential mental health crisis that is, um, that is starting to, to happen and we'll probably see the fruits of it in the months and even years that follow right now. You know, people need, need to make sure they are not isolated. People need to know that they are not alone um, and not be that island and, and come together. And so, you know, the mu musical Mugwumps and the Isola Project, they're both these opportunities to just bring people together. And, and we all, you know, as we reflected on, on our Into the Woods experience, we all sort of agreed. We forgot that we were isolated. We forgot about... Um, being locked away in our living rooms um, and just had time to celebrate and to enjoy togetherness. When is the next one? Because this sounds incredible and I want to be a part of the next one and I'm sure a lot it's, of people out there want to as well. Uh, so Into the Woods was our first episode. We had such a huge response from people who who can... can uh, what's the word? We had such a We had such a huge response from people who... Uh, participated and we had an even bigger response from people who couldn't participate and of course we didn't have an opportunity for everyone to be involved so um, we said we have to do it again so we're doing episode two um, this weekend we are doing hairspray and uh, I think we're just going to probably aim to keep to keep going you know um, maybe weekly maybe fortnightly uh, uh, until people, <laughs> until there's no need for it. But I think I think there's always a need for it. So let's let's see how long this goes for, and uh, and we'll probably keep on keep on delivering the goods. If people do want to participate in the next episode or episodes going forward, what's the best way for them to do so? Is it just contact you directly? Uh, they can absolutely do that. Myself or Lala Barlow. Um, we also we also have a, have a Facebook group called Musical Mugwumps, so you can find us on there and reach out to us. Uh, we are still dealing with the technology, so we're still trying to just try to try and work out if we can have audience to sit in and participate because last when we did Into the Woods, we, we didn't have an audience. We, in the end, decided it was way too much of a pilot project, way too experimental for us to bring an audience on board. Um, we're hoping that we can fix that, you know, soon so that we can have an audience but yep always looking for for willing participants to to jump on board and and join the brilliance of musical mugwumps <laughs> this has been the most heartwarming thing i've heard in a long time i'm very excited for for the future installments yes thank you no we're excited too speaking of installments james um for those who don't know <laughs> that's a good segue i know where you're going Thank you. Uh, James and I have spent uh, the last 16 to 20 months touring with the Australasia tour of School of Rock. Uh, it's been a wonderful experience that unfortunately came to a close because of coronavirus. But one thing that was uh, consistent every single night of the show was Sushi Saga. James, what's Sushi Saga? 
You know what? If you don't know what Sushi Saga is at this point, like, where have you been, you know? Sushi Saga. Okay, so <clears throat> okay, so here's the thing with Sushi Saga, all right? This is, this is how it came about. Um, there's a scene in School of Rock where my character, uh, Tamika's father, and Tamika's other father, we're both called Mr. Spencer Williams, um, are on stage and just sort of um, in the background. We need to ad-lib for probably about two minutes. Uh, and as long as we keep the scene alive and, and not too loud, you know, we would sort of dialogue. And so I think it was, it must have been in one of the final rehearsals in Melbourne that we decided that this, this scene that happens between the two of them would be an ongoing uh, serial, kind of like a soap opera. And it starts off with myself cutting sushi for dinner and Kevin, my husband, comes in and brings Tamika in and then the two of us sort of chat for a couple of minutes while Tamika sings. Uh, and Sushi Saga basically was, it happened on stage every single performance uh, from the beginning of the Melbourne season right through <laughs> to the very end. So we had, um, I don't even know how many performance. I, I mean, we did over 400 performances of the show. Um, and so uh, Andrew Cronin and myself, who, who were, the, were the two dads, um, night after night just extended this story and it was full of intrigue and murder and kidnappings and, and everything you want your, you know, hugely dramatic story to, stories to be. Someone needs an urgent heart transplant or whatever. Whatever else, <laughs> but whatever went on in the story, they would always have to be cutting sushi for dinner <laughs> that night. It always came back so to the sushi. You, you couldn't just be like, it always had to because you know you couldn't just be you couldn't just be like, oh, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm in hospital with a you know with an aneurysm. It's like, but I've got to be back cutting the sushi tomorrow <laughs> night. So whatever happens has to be resolved in one episode. Um, so that we can get back to this, you know, common meeting place. But gosh, it was it was the most intricately written um, high end drama, I have to say. And we wrote it down. Like we have, I have the whole thing documented on um, notes on my phone of these, you know, hundreds of episodes. And and uh, one day I'm going to do something about it, Ellis. I'm going to I'm going to make we're going to make a drama. We're going to make it. We're probably going to live stream it. Let's live stream it. Oh, live stream would be great. I I have been curious as to whether or not you'd be okay with maybe reading some of the summaries out on the future episodes of the podcast. <laughs> but we can just every now and again we, we could, cut back to James and and the sushi saga. And <laughs> I mean, we can do a dramatic we can do a dramatic reading. Oh, yes. Yeah, but you know what was absolutely devastating was the fact that the fact that um, when when School of Rock ended in Sydney, we didn't know that was our last show. Uh, we thought we had, you know, the Adelaide season left. And so we really, we ended the show on this incredible cliffhanger um, where Kevin learned that he um, he had, this is really dark. It was the darkest episode we'd ever had. He realised that he, he had brain cancer um, and, and, and had six months to live. Um, and we also have these other two characters who are part of the, the world of Sushi Saga, which is two of the teachers who are in the faculty and also have two moment, a moment to ad-lib together. And AK and I had another scene where we had another minute of ad-lib. And, and so Mr. Sanders and Mr. Noble also had a little portion of the plot that was going on. And 
we had just found out that uh, Mr. Noble, um, uh, no, that Mr. Sanders, sorry, was actually the long lost uh, older brother of Mr. Spencer Williams. Uh, and it was, and it was an, a, a huge, I mean, wow, like, man, if this was a, if we had an actual audience who was like responding to this show, that episode would have just had the highest ratings ever. It was, it was a massive episode. And they'd be devastated. We're devastated. I can only imagine how our invisible fans would feel. <laughs> um, if we, like we, and we, you know, I don't know, maybe AK and I need to be cast again in another show so Sushi Saga can come back because it, it's devastating to leave a show, uh, on a on a on a cliffhanger like that with no resolution. It wasn't just the two of you who got involved. You you liked to include uh, a lot of people backstage uh, in different oh, ways. Yeah. I know, particularly during our Sydney season, our hair and uh, our our wiggies certainly were getting into it. Every episode, they had to find out what was going on next. Well, because we we had to come backstage and tell and tell these these ladies what happened in tonight's episode because the whole thing unraveled on stage. We'd have to come off stage and then tell them what tonight's episode was about. And oh yeah, you know, we found a secret hideout in the barn in the underground, you know, in the underground area outside the the barn and the farm that was given to us by my dead wife left in the will. And um, there's a bomb hidden underneath the floorboards. And you know, we had to come back and explain all this story to them. And they were they were hooked. They wanted they wanted their little fix of sushi saga every night. And so yeah, we had them. We had characters. I mean, Ellis, you played. <laughs> Our organ guy. I was the uh, organ guy. What, what soap opera doesn't have an organ guy? Um, so whenever we had a hospital themed episode, organ guy was involved, uh, and and we, you know, we um, yeah, we I think we involved at least half the cast at some point. Um, took on some of our characters, and we had you know a cast of thousands, but some of them recorded voice messages or wrote letters, and and so I, I we yeah we engaged several of our. <laughs> of our cast members to to be part of it and, and take on some of the characters. I mean, gosh, the things that you do when you're supposed to be doing your real job, huh? <laughs> yeah, we, um... Let's hope Andrew <laughs> we... isn't listening uh, to, to oh, find out. Oh, you know out. what? If he's listening, I've got an idea for a new musical for him. Sushi Saga, I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, James, uh, it is time for the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? Yes, I am. I've never done lightning round before. Come on, get me. Strike me. So what it is, is uh, I've, got a, I've got a stack of about 60 questions. I've chosen a okay. bunch of them at random. Okay. And uh, I'm just going to fire them at you. You can answer as short or as long as you want. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, here we go. Are you ready? Are you, are you steady? Here you go. I'm actually like, I'm leaning forward in my chair. I'm quite nervous all of a sudden. But yes, I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. The, the pressure's on. You will be tested on your answers at the end. Yes. That wasn't one. All right. Okay, sorry, I'm nervous. Yep. What is your favorite Asian food dish? Uh, chicken uh, with cashew nut. What is your go-to quarantine snack? It's been hot cross buns and uh, original flavored corn chips. This is question number 42 in our list, which is, of course, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? Uh if I told you out loud, the podcast would explode. So I'm just thinking it. <laughs> Done. Beautiful. It made me cry. Mm. When doing a deep dive on Wikipedia, what's the weirdest page you've ever arrived at? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, I always... Oh, I, okay. Um, uh, deaths at Disneyland. 
Friends or Seinfeld? Friends. Always. Always friends. What's the first thing you'll do when physical distancing is over? Probably, like, play some sort of, like, ultra camp, like, outdoor fun in the sun themed music and, like, literally, like, swing the door open and run with my arms outstretched and just, like, run in the breeze like I've never had oxygen before (laughs) in my life. Who is the best Beatle? The best Beatle is, well, it's John. It's John Lennon. What musical means the most to you? Ragtime. Unless I talk about shows I've done before. I did In the Heights, Parade, Titanic. No, I I can't do this to myself. Ragtime, ragtime, ragtime. (laughs) First answer is the right answer. Yes, that's right. There's a whole podcast about that that question. You cannot lightning round me on like a musical. (laughs) That's not fair. (laughs) Do you have a favorite quote from The Princess Bride? Um, probably inconceivable. If you could steal one person's voice for a night, whose would it be? Probably the guy who says inconceivable, so I can actually <laughs> say it and sound half, you know, um, close to the way that he says it. Spring or autumn? Spring. And our final question, in honour of James Lipton, so I'll ask it the way that he asks it. If God exists, what do you hope they say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, I'm hoping for uh, the very, very classic and very, very uh, honest, well done, good and faithful servant. But that's because that's because of my own personal beliefs. So, of course, of course, that's what I am hoping for. It's a personal question. That's the only way you can answer it. It is. And there's my personal answer. Thank you very much for chatting to us, James. If people want to get involved in the Isola project or follow along with its progress, where's the best place that they can go? Yeah, so jump on Facebook is the best place. Um, Look up the Isola project. That's I-S-O-L-A. You can join on there. And uh, all the information about getting involved is there, right there for you. And that wraps us up for today's Quarantunes. Thank you very much, James, for coming to chat to us. Thank you very much for listening at home. Stay safe, support your local artists, and wash your hands. Take care, everyone. <laughs>